With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Everybody, and welcome back to Complex the Queens, Mason Avenue's Modern Podcast. I'm Steve Saipa, and I'm joined this week by Lucas Vlahos, Ken Levin, and Thomas Anderson. How's everyone doing this week? Good. 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 Doing all right. How are you doing? Uh, okay, but I think that promoted century is going to make me and probably all of us a little depressed. Oh, Wait, is this, is this about feeling old? Yes, yeah. Can I, can I share a 10-second anecdote here? I, I, I was teaching high schoolers yesterday because we do a virtual class. Point being, teaching high schoolers, telling them about like how you index a matrix in R, and I'm like, oh yeah, that sounds like it's not something from the movie. And then it occurred to me, all of the kids I'm teaching have been born not just after the first matrix, but after the <laughs> second and third matrix movies, and I was very sad. Well, they're all also born after this movie, which came out 25 years ago today. Toy Story, mm. which is like revolutionary kind of, and it still holds up pretty good. The CGI is like really, oh yeah, really good. So, uh, in honor of feeling terrible and depressed and old, <laughs> what toys are we going to promote? Extend trade here, and these are all toys that were really like the biggest um, Christmas gifts in. Basically, you guys' respective birth years. Not mine, because the one from my year was really stupid. Koosh balls. Who gives a fuck about koosh balls? <laughs> what the fuck is a koosh ball? 
<laughs> you don't even know what a koosh ball is. If you've seen one, you know what they are. Because I, I, I'm Googling it. Let's see. Yeah, because... Oh, I, I, okay. One of those things. Yeah, yeah. you yeah. get like basketball I had no idea that was called a ball. Me neither. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right. So first we have Super Soakers. Then we have Power Rangers action figures. And last but not least are Beanie Babies. Um, Easy extend on Super Soakers. I don't like Power Rangers or Beanie Babies. Can I trade both of them? No. You gotta pick one. <laughs> Fuck. It's not promote trade trade. Why, why can't it be extend trade trade? I'm a I'm a I'm Jerry Depoto. Just trade everything. I don't know. Well, that's I, just trade trade trade. Yeah, that's true actually, isn't it? Uh, I guess I'll promote the Beanie Babies. I always thought Power Rangers were stupid. Not gonna lie. I think I would extend Super Soakers, too. Yeah. Objectively the most fun of those toys. Yeah. As a boy, I had fun playing with the Power Rangers toys. But as an adult now, there are those random Beanie Babies that are actually worth something. So it kind of is a toughie here. Yeah. Yeah, Are we talking about the, uh, the Princess Diana Beanie Baby? Yeah, there's like a handful of ones that like actually are worth some money. Not like millions of dollars, thousands of dollars, whatever, but I know even there's a there's a Mets one that actually is worth some, which is fun. I think they gave out one on like Mike Piazza Day, so it's like the Mike Piazza Beanie Baby or something like that. <laughs> Does it have frosted tips? <laughs> I would oh, I would hope God. so. <laughs> How can you tell it's not a Guy Fieri? Uh, <laughs> Yo, I would, I would, I would pay for Guy Fieri Beanie Baby. I would too. That would. It just says Flavor Town on it somewhere, like on the. Oh back. my god! <laughs> well, I mean, we, we can all agree Super Soakers are fun for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Apparently, the guy who made them is an active redditor, and he hops into threads sometimes to talk about Super Soakers. <laughs> Funny. What does he have to say? Like, what is there to say? Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's one, there's one JPEG that pops up on imagery every now and then where he's doing an AMA and someone, it's like, you single-handedly brought hours of joy to so many kids' youth, and his only, his reply is, well, it took me both hands. Mm. So, dude, dude is, uh, got, got that dry engineer wit. <laughs> I don't remember what Super Soaker I had. I remember it was just like a green and yellow one, I think. That doesn't really narrow it down, Steve. Yeah, yeah I don't know. That color. I just know that my friend had like the one that had like the backpack and everything like that was really oh. hardcore. Yeah. I was not as lucky. Then they would all eventually have like shit growing inside the tank because you would <laughs> empty it out and you'd be <laughs> sitting there for six months. Yeah, that's great. Rob Banford's going to listen to us and put super soakers on the middle infielders and in extra innings to mess mess with the base runners. (laughs) That would be pretty entertaining, actually. That would, yeah, that's something. Didn't they come out? I remember, like, in more recent years, because I have some younger, younger cousins, they were like, ones that shoot out water pellets, and I never quite understood what the deal with that was. Oh, Uh, it's like bullets, jeez. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't. I've not kept up with the new generation of super soakers. My super soaker has a burst fire. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> like, you got a red, you got a red dot scope, bump yeah, exactly. stock, uh, uh, super soaker. I have a four dot sight. Excuse me, that's not a scope. Some are uh, the one gun enthusiast who listens to this pa- uh, podcast is going to get on me for that. I remember there was one that had like multiple streams. Like you, you, it would shoot forward, but then it would also shoot on the sides too. Oh, that's wild! Shotgun? That's just yeah, yeah, kind of. I mean, like that—that that would be crazy for a shotgun because it would—it it would literally be shooting, you know, in front of you and then basically perpendicular to you. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But yeah, super soccer is very fun. I'm not. I, I actually always preferred. I believe they are like tangentially affiliated with Nerf now. I don't know if they were at the start. I always preferred Nerf guns because you could take off like the thing that inhibited the spring and make them shoot harder. And you can't really do that with a Super Soaker. Uh, still, Super Soaker is very fun. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, so the CPBL season is over. The KBO season is over. The NPB season is over, at least for us. They're still playing the playoffs. <laughs> so that means that we can give out our very, very prestigious end-of-season awards for all those players. So I'm they're sure sitting they're... on the edge of their seats, you know? Exactly, yep. I mean, uh, they're probably going to call in while we're doing this, so just be ready for all that. Let me get Google Translate up real quick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would actually be handy. Yeah, Lucas, you are the official translator of the pod. So. Oh, God. <laughs> so we'll start off with the CPBL first. And the Hitter of the Year award goes to Anko Lin. Yeah. And if you want to just go by the stats, Chi uh, Chesu, he narrowly edges out Lin. Uh, 988 OPS to a 985 OPS. Like, literally, literally barely beats him out. But I think that the context of everything gives Lin the edge because Sue, you know, he he's 26, so he's just entering his prime. He's a five-year veteran, whereas Lin is 23. This is his rookie season, and he led the league in homers. So I think there's enough extraneous stuff to uh, bump up those three hundredths of a point of OPS difference. Uh, pitcher of the year goes to Tim Melville. Melville was signed in July, and he was basically the first pitcher that they signed in the second wave of all the foreign pitchers that they uh, picked up after they lost Josh Renicki and Logan Darnell and Ryan Fairbend when the second half of the season started. So he appeared in 10 games total. He pitched 61 in the third innings, and he had a 293 ERA, which was lowest on the team by a very large margin. And then he allowed 49 hits, he walked 32, and he struck out 46. The peripheral's not that great, but, oh, that's you know. A scary, that's a pretty yikes strikeout-to-walk ratio right there. Yeah, but again, the league, you know, is um, very much primed for offense. So true. having an ERA under three, let alone an ERA under four, <laughs> is, is an accomplishment. Um, we'll do the disappointment of the year now. And that is going to be Anko Lin not hitting 33 homers hmm. because uh, for the week of September 27th to October 3rd, he had five homers that week. So he needed, you know, one more homer, 11 games to go. 
and he didn't exactly fade down the stretch. He hit 268, which isn't terrible, but he hit for, like, no power whatsoever. He hit two doubles, basically, for the entire month of October, and then that's it. He did hit a home run in the Taiwan series, but that is the postseason. So, technically, he did hit 33 homers, but, you know, it, it doesn't really count. Unfortunate. Uh-huh. And then the surprise of the year is just the fact that the Union Lions won. Um, <laughs> you know, back in April when I spoke with Rob from CPPL Stats and we were just kind of figuring out what would be the Mets analog team and who we were going to root for and everything like that, we didn't pick based on who the best team was going to be or who was best positioned to win in 2020. Um, you know, we picked based on the connections to the Mets, similarities of the Mets, and as we know all too well, if a team is similar to the Mets, good things aren't going to happen. But surprisingly, good things happen, and they won. So we have that. Now we just wait another uh, 33 years, and maybe they'll win again. Yeah, <laughs> who knows? All right, we'll go over to the KBO now. And the Doosan Bears are playing the NC Dinos in the Korea Series, and it's currently tied. So it might go to seven games, which would be fun. Um, so the hitter of the year for the LG Twins is Roberto Ramos. Um, Ramos, you know, he's never a bona fide prospect in the U.S. Uh, he's with the Rockies. Basically, the hit tool just wasn't good enough, but the power was legit. And when you take a guy like that, a guy who has slider bat speed, and then you put him in a league where the average fastball is like a slider in, in the MLB, he basically turns into Mark McGuire. And that's what Ramos did. Um, he hit 278, 362, 592 with 38 homers. And he was only second to Mel Rojas Jr. Um, in, in homers. So he, he was 25. He's going to be 26 next season. He's just entering his prime. Uh, you know, a guy like that could put up crazy lopsided numbers if, if he chooses to stay in Korea next season. Mm. And I hope he does just because. I want to see a 50 home run season. Absolutely. Mhm. You would get paid there. Yep. Yep. How much? How, what's like their max contract? I mean, in theory, a team could sign anybody for anything. Right. Right. I mean, I don't mean like what. Not that their hard limit is, but who's like the highest paid played payer? Pay, uh, God damn it! Paid payer in say that ten times fast. <laughs> uh, in in the league. Not really sure off the top of my head. I know that the highest paid player on the Twins is the guy that we're about to talk about right now, pitcher of the year, Casey Kelly. Mm. Um, he is the ace of the staff. He wasn't as good as he was in 2019. Uh, that year he had a 255 ERA in 180 and a third innings. This year he had a 332 uh, ERA in 173 and a third innings. But he was sixth in the league in... ERA and eighth in the league in, with 134 strikeouts. So a little bit of regression, but you know, he wasn't bad by any means necessary. That'll play. Mm-hmm. Sure. Disappointment of the year is going to be Roberto Ramos again. Um, he was hitter of the year, but he was super streaky and there were huge chunks of the season where he was basically just like, a non-existent factor in the lineup. Um, he, he missed some time with an ankle injury in June. 
he had a hip injury in like mid to late July. The ankle started acting up again in, in late September, the beginning of October. So he missed some time in the DL and then obviously took, you know, that, that, uh, took some time to get back into the swing of things when he was able to get back on the field. So if he hadn't lost those 30 games from injuries and was able to stay consistent, I think that he would have beaten Mel Rojas Jr.'s 47 homers and I think he would have hit that 50 home run plateau. So that's why I, uh, Hope he stays in the league next year and just kind of tease off on everyone. And surprise of the year now is Hansu Kim being as good as he was. Um, Kim wasn't bad in a couple of years that he played with the Orioles and the Phillies. Uh, he hit in total 273, 351, 368. Not terrible, but, you know, it's nothing really to write home about. And before he signed with the Orioles... He was basically the, the the hitting machine. That was his nickname in Korea. And when you think of a batting line like that, you don't think hitting machine. And he's been back in Korea a couple of years now. And I, you know, I'll, I'll admit I didn't really follow his career since he went back or anything like that. But in 2018, the year that he went back, he hit 362. In 2019, he hit 304. And then this past season, he hit 331. So those are definitely hitting machine type numbers. Yeah. And now we will move on to the Occult Swallows, which was not a very fun team to follow this year. <laughs> the most Metsian of your picks. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, hitter of the year, Munitaka Murakami. Last season he was, um, well, excuse me, not last season, 2019 season. He was 19 old rookie, and he hit 231, 332, 481 with 36 homers. And he won the Central League Rookie of the Year award. And basically, the only flaw in his game was he was a 231 hitter, which was basically dead last in the entire, not just the Central League, but all of Japan. This year, the opposite. Um, he hit 307, 427, 585 with 28 homers. So basically, at the expense of a little bit of power, he bumped up his batting average and OBP by like 100 points apiece. Uh, we were following it all season, but he ended up fourth in the league in batting average, first in the league in OBP, first in slugging, second in homers, and first in OPS. So those are definitely MVP caliber numbers. Uh, who knows if he'll get the recognition. I went back and looked, and in the past 10 years, the MVP has been on the pennant winning team seven times. There's only three exceptions. Uh, Vladimir Balantien in 2013 when he set the home run record, uh, Tomo Sagano in 2014, and then Yoshihiro Maru in 2017. So maybe he'll get MVP, but odds are it's not looking too good. But for what it's worth, though, nobody else has any numbers that blow Murakami's out of the water, so maybe he will win. I don't know. Who knows? I wonder if they still suffer from the – not that the U.S. doesn't still suffer from it, but the uh, only good teams get MVPs. Uh, uh, well, I mean, 70% of the time they've been on the pennant winner, so. Yeah, well, there, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> and Japan is also especially, especially conservative, you know, so. But, you know, we'll see. Uh, pitch of the year now is someone that really did not get any real coverage from us at all because there weren't really high highs. It was just consistent okays. 
And that pitcher is Albert Suarez. You would have think Yasuhiro Ogawa as the ace of the staff. He would have been pitcher of the year, but when it came down to it, his numbers really weren't that great. Um, Hiratoshi Takanashi, the old dude, same thing. He was a little bit better, but not much. The other guys on the Swallows pitching staff, Masanori Ishikawa and Daiki Yoshida, they weren't particularly better. So you're just basically going down the depth chart until you get to Albert Suarez, and he made 12 starts, uh, which is considerably less innings than those other guys pitched, but he is the first one out of all of them to have an ERA under four. So, Oh, jeez. Yeah. <laughs> yep. <laughs> He had he threw 67 in the third innings in total, and he had a 267 ERA with amp peripherals. So who built this team's pitching staff? Brody Van Wagenen? Like nobody, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> now we know Brody's next uh, baseball venture. <laughs> My next Brody's chapter. Taking his talents to South Tokyo. South Tokyo. <laughs> <laughs> um, disappointment of the year besides for just the team as a whole, <laughs> is Tetsuo Yamada. And we've mentioned that Yamada, he's the Mike Trout of Japan. More than once we've mentioned it. The guy had a 30-30 season in 2015, 2016, 2018, 2019. And over the last five years in total, he hit a cumulative 293, 408, 559. This past year is his age 27 season, so, you know, he's starting his prime. There were rumors that he was interested in getting posted, so he was going to be playing for a contract. And basically, everything looked like he was going to probably have like a huge season. And instead, he hit 254, 334, 419 in 94 games with 12 homers, 8 stolen bases. Easily the worst season of his career since he was a rookie. Uh, he started things off okay, but basically a few weeks into the season, he was struggling. Um... He was left at a lineup a couple of times, put on the DL for some vague fatigue symptoms. I don't think it was Corona or anything like that, but whatever the case was, um, he wasn't good. <laughs> and it sucks because, you know, he was supposed to be the best player in, or among the best players in Japan, and he clearly was not. But Yakult still clearly has faith in him, and they should, because they just signed him to a, a seven-year... 3.5 billion yen contract, which is a uh, comes out to about 33.7 million, which comes out to roughly 4.8 million dollars a year. So, just to get a glimpse of how underpaid players in Japan are, as compared to players here in the U.S., the best player is going to be making 4.8 million dollars a year. Go figure. You know that might be too much for MLB teams this off season anyway. <laughs> We've seen players get DFA'd for stuff like that for that money. Yep. So. I'm trying to think, who who is a player right now, preferably an infielder because Yamada is an infielder, that's making about five million dollars. Luke Voigt. Hmm. He's a good. He is. He's a good a player. Good hitter. Though. Yeah. Um. Uh, infielder making about five million dollars. That's mediocre. Uh. How much did Wilmer get with San Francisco? Those Probably. are like 220, right? Mm. Something like that. Um, I mean, Jed Jerko had a $4 million option that the Brewers declined, even though he was an above average hitter last year. Uh, Wilmer's making 
he got a two year six million, so he's making three. Yeah, that's almost. Yeah. But I might they, just, I'm just they drawing a huge blank right now. I mean, uh, uh, Howie Kendrick got eight million last year, so eight and a half, I think, actually. Well, Howie Kendrick probably hasn't had. 30-30 seasons in four of the last six years. No, no I'm fairly <laughs> confident that he has not done that. No. no. He'd be a fun guy to look at if he does get posted. Starlin Castro, $6 million. There you go. That one's probably closer. Mm. I remember Starlin Castro at one point being okay, and then not anymore. Yeah, I mean, a bad, he back peaked in, at like twenty-two. Yeah, it's yeah, he very peaked weird, really. very weird trajectory for his career. And back in the day, the the Cubs fans I talked to were like, "Yeah, we're never, we're not going to trade any of these shortstops for one of your pitchers." I'm like, "Yeah, we want Thor for Starlin Castro." I'm like, okay, buddy, <laughs> whatever you say. No, thank you. Now, of course, the one I always wanted was that was Addison Russell, which didn't work out either oh, no. or off. The field. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I, hey, I mean, like, ten years ago, it was a justifiable, justifiable position that he was going to be the best of that group. Mm-hmm. Well, the Mets did have in their system last year, I forget if it was Binghamton, Syracuse, or both, Arismendi Alcantara, who was uh, once yeah. upon a time, yeah, he was in that group of, like, endless shortstop slash middle infield options that the Cubs had. He didn't uh, work out either. No. <laughs> All right, well, finally is the surprise of the year. And the surprise of the year with the Colt Swallows was just how freaking bad they were. Like, Jesus <laughs> Christ. They were competitive for, like, the first three weeks, maybe the first month of the season, and then you just right down the toilet. And it wasn't even fun to follow. Like, I didn't like recapping them when I was doing the recaps every day. I didn't really even like browsing the box scores after a while. So much like the, much like the Mets. (laughs) The thing is, like, the Mets have just been, never been this terrible. Like, this is just, nobody on the team is good, except for, like, one guy. (laughs) And he had a bad season. So, the Mets, the Mets sometimes have had seasons like that, but I feel like at least there's always been, like, one good hitter and one good pitcher, so kind of is a little bit of balance. Yeah, like, you could get excited for Dickie or. Right, like, you had Dickey, then he transitioned to Harvey, who transitioned to DeGrom slash Syndergaard, you know. And on the hitting side, there was always, you know, faith in right. And then you would have sometimes, you know, Ike had his one-hit wonder season, and Conforto came up, and he was good hitter. And Marlon Bird had that half year. Oh, oh. yeah, Marlon Bird. Marlon <laughs> Bird. <laughs> Friend of the show. <laughs> I love that Marlon Bird half season. It was so fun. Got us pickles. Like, yes. Yeah, they got solid plays out of it. And then that got us Jaybreers. So, you know, you you win some, you lose some. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right. Well, before we head on over uh, to the Mets, um, there's one more foreign league to report now. Um La Liga de Béisbol Profesional de la República Dominicana, the Dominican Winter League that just started up. Uh, it's basically a six-team league made of teams from Central and Eastern Dominican Republic because the Western side is a lot less uh, 
developed and, and settled. So the six teams are the Aguilas Sabenas in Santiago, there's the Estrellas Orientales in San Pedro de Macorís, there's the Gigantes del Cibao in San Francisco de Macorís, there are Los Leones de Escogido in Santo Domingo, there's the Tigres de Lacy in Santo Domingo, and the Toros de Este in La Romana. So the closest Mets analog would be Los Leones de Escogido because they're in, in Santo Domingo, the biggest city, and they are the younger and less successful team of the two ones in Santo Domingo. Why, why must you be this way? Why, why do you do this to us, Steve? <laughs> also, their manager is a guy that I think we're all familiar with uh, for the last basically four years until last season. Their manager was Luis Rojas. Oh. And then interestingly, when Luis Rojas left because he became like the strength and conditioning coach or whatever it was um, for the Mets, his replacement was Jose Lajer, who was another longtime Mets minor league coach. So a lot, a lot of uh, Mets lines connections. And interesting little factoid is that uh, Leones de Escogido, it basically means the Chosen Lions, which is a cool name mm. and they're called chosen lions because back in like the early 1900s um the tigres they were such a dominant team that all of the other teams in the Dim- dominican republic basically pulled all of their best players and they formed a new team just to beat the tigres <laughs> and that's the lions so did it work very, uh, uh kind of i mean the tigres was <laughs> I mean, we're talking about, like, almost 100 years of baseball history here, so the Tigres still have the most championships in the league, but, you know, the Leones have a lot, too, and the other teams, obviously. Um, in terms of following the, the uh, Dominican Winter League, it's kind of crazy. Um, there's a bunch of former Mets players in the league because... Basically, you have everything from 30-year-old-plus veterans to legit 18-year-old, 19-year-old prospects, everybody playing side-by-side. So a big list of of a lot of old-timers. Reiner Cruz is one. I was just like, oh, yeah, I remember Reiner Cruz. Um, But in terms of Mets that are on the actual Mets players this season, it's a pretty small list. There's Robel Garcia, who they claimed off of waivers from Cincinnati at the end of October this year. So he's playing for the Aguilas. There's Ariel Gerardo, who they traded for last year. He's playing with the Estrellas. There's Bruce Maxwell, who they signed last year. He's playing for the Toros. And most importantly, and really the only guy of any worth, is Franklin Quilome. And he's pitching for Los Leones, so another reason to root for them. And there's a couple of guys on the reserve roster for the different teams. Um, not really sure if they will be able to get into play this year. Mark Vientos and Wagner Garange, they're both on the reserve roster for Los Leones. And Ronnie Mauricio is on the reserve roster for the Tigres. So if they get hope, called up, that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, I hope that Vientos and Mauricio get playing time because, you know, it's such a valuable thing right now because there's just so limited spots that are out there. You know, I'm surprised the Mets didn't find them a place where they could actually get some reps, but... Uh, I don't know. I don't know how much control the Mets have over that. I mean, being the 
big league team with everything, all of the money backed, you know, I, yeah. I'm sure they do have some say. But at the end of the day, you know, it still is up to the local managers and the local teams and everything like that. So that makes sense. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. All right, so the Mets made um, technically their first Cohen era signing because, you know, uh, Marcus Stroman re-upping with the team, not really a free agent move. I mean, technically, I don't know what you want to call that, but they made their first bona fide free agent signing. And if you're waiting for a big splash... You got it. Yeah, you sure got it. <laughs> Welcome to the Mets, Sam McWilliams. They signed the career minor league due to a, a major league guaranteed contract. So this, so this is kind of interesting because, like, I wonder if this is a thing that you could exploit if you have money because you could just send him down, and is it like he has all those options? So you're wasting an option, but if you really think that he could be good, then you just locked in, like you guarantee, you basically guaranteed that he signs with you because not many other teams are going to do that. That's the thing. I mean, I don't obviously have the information that they do, but I don't see how he's going to be good. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, sure. Like, like it's more yeah. the idea of what they did than the player. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because him, 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 him himself, him himself, he's basically just another dime a dozen kind of, you know, okay, not that great starter that would probably be a better reliever guy. And is that kind of is that the kind of guy that is going to be getting seven hundred fifty thousand dollars guaranteed? Like, the, I mean, Tim Healy's fifteen is, teams were interested in him, so I don't know. I mean, he's <clears throat> the fastball sits in like the mid nineties. Uh, command of it is kind of fringy because he's a big guy, six foot seven, two thirty. So you know, big guys almost always have trouble with their mechanics repeating everything. Didn't Alderson have, like, an obsession with, with large pitchers? I don't know if it was, it was an obsession. Would you, say, uh, would you like say that Chris he enjoyed? Um, I mean, back in <laughs> he the was day. Dioka, Lucas, right? where was that going? Would you, would you say that he enjoys his large adult sons? <laughs> <laughs> a few times yeah. it definitely happened to work out that the Mets either picked a, a tall... Large adult son. Large pitching individual. And then an absolute back, unit. or back also in the day like 2013 maybe 2014 the the, the Savannah Sad Mets had like 
a rotation where the shortest guy I think was um Martiris Arias, who is like six foot seven. I'm just imagining the Savannah large adult sons for like one night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which is so <laughs> ironic because they were the Sand Nats. So yeah, we're the yeah, right. Nats. We're, we're all the six foot ten. Adorable. Wait, what? We actually look like a basketball team. Yeah. Uh-huh. I'm going to look them up because it was a very, very tall rotation. I mean, I was I, just, go ahead, Lucas. Yeah, I mean, I was oh, just say he's six foot ten. Excuse me. Jesus. Wow, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're desperate for upper binders pitching depth. I really, and if this, this is another good way to leverage mo- the money advantage, like, this is a smart thing to do as a general case. I don't understand why they did it with this guy in particular. Like, I love delving into the, the bargain bin signings. Like, that's arguably my favorite part of, like, it's easy to just say sign good players. I love the, doing, looking into things where you can find someone that no one else sees, but I don't get it with this dude. Yeah, I don't know. So, like, I would say that I'm sure a lot of times when the the really good players get signed, like, when when you do hit on those guys, like, mm-hmm. how many times did Justin Turner get signed, everyone would have been like, okay. You know? Like, he could just pop because the Mets see something that we don't see or whatever, and then True. we're talking about this in two years, and we're like, oh, remember that? You know? Like, it's it's going to be one of those things where we just have to see, really. It's just an interesting idea because the more the, when when they first announced it, I was like, "This is stupid, like don't 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 do this." And then <laughs> the more I thought about it, I was just like, "You have the forty man space, and it's not like the Mets are in some forty man crunch that they need all these like really good players at the back end. Like they there's plenty of fat you could trim if you really get into a crunch later on in the off season. So it's mm-hmm. like." Sure, like if if teams really like him and all you also like him, and this is your one way to one up to everyone, go for it. You know. All right, so here is uh, it's the 2015 Savannah Sednats rotation. You had Casey Meisner, who is six foot seven, <laughs> Josh Provis, who is six foot seven. I Brad forgot Leak. about you, him. Brad Leak, who is six foot eight, and then Arias, who is six foot ten. And then you had poor Casey Delgado, who's five foot ten. Put him in the middle in the in the team picture. Yeah, <laughs> but not a single one of those guys really worked out. Oh well. Hopefully, uh, Sam McDonald's works out though. Nick Williams, not McDonald. All right, so. Uh, in addition to being connected to JT Riamuto and George Springer and Trevor Bauer and whoever else, because they're free agents, that would make sense because they do what the Mets, you know, have some holes in. They are also connected to some players who are seemingly on the trading block this winter. And the biggest guy, of course, I think is Francisco Lindor. And we've seen a bunch of packages for either Lindor or Lindor Plus, whoever, and they've been kind of all over the place. Some of them have the Mets giving up a laughable amount. Some of them they've seen from people have the Mets basically giving up nobody for a superstar. Mm-hmm. So what is a trade package that you guys would offer Cleveland that you think is you know fair for obtaining a guy like Lindor, 
and wouldn't basically just kind of destroy the Mets. <laughs> the one, the one I've jotted down a bunch of times in some slightly different iterations: uh, Andres Jimenez, J.D. Davis, Francisco Alvarez, and uh, Mark Vientos. For some combination of Francisco Lindor, Carlos Carrasco, and, and Oscar Mercado. But really the core of that is Davis, Jimenez, and, and Alvarez for Lindor. And of would, course everything is contingent on a Lindor extension. Yes. I'm assuming that comes with the trade. Yeah, yeah. Like yeah. I don't think the Mets with their new financial firepower would would mess around with that. And and to me, he's much more in the Manny Machado tier of great player, like elite players, as opposed to the Mookie Betts, Mike Trout tier of great players. So I well, imagine... That tier is two people. Right, yeah. exactly. And, and so, I, I, But Mookie Betts' contract was what, like $400 million or something like that? I'm sure Lindor probably winds up closer to the 10 300 or... Whatever, like twelve, three twenty-five that Bryce got. I'm, that's what I'm expecting an extension will look like. Maybe a little bit more. Like I would do that. that Eleven, three thirty or something. Like yeah, I'll do that for Francisco. I'll pay Francisco Lindor thirty million dollars a year. No problem. Yeah, me too. And also, like trading Jimenez would suck because I liked him. I well, I like him. It's not like I don't like him anymore. But like, I don't know. It's Francisco Lindor. <laughs> yeah, Lindor is an upgrade over. Jimenez in basically every single single aspect except maybe speed and possibly defense. How is Lindor's defense? Elite. Uh, it's elite. Probably, yeah. the, probably the best. <laughs> all right, all right. So then maybe but, just yeah. a downgrade in speed. Yeah, I'm a, like big whoop. Yeah. Resign Billy Hamilton. You're fast again. Like I don't care. You know, like. <laughs> wait, wait. Why resign Billy Hamilton when you can have someone else sign him and then you could trade? Who, who are we trading this year instead of David Humphreys? Oh, he's gone. Speaking um, of, he got released. Humphreys. Oh, no, yes, bring, bring him back. Um, so all part of the Brody's time. master plan. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> Brody was like, "I knew it." <laughs> Brody and Sandy now resign him. Yeah. I knew it. This is why you should hire me back. Yep. <laughs> and I and I also like JD Davis, but he's. Fairly replaceable, I think. He's about to start making more money in arbitration. I think you could just, for the purposes of the 2021 Mets, you just go sign a dude like Jed Jerko, and there's your corner infield bat off the bench. Yeah. Um, who can hit lefties. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's like, I do like him too, yeah. It also, like, with Dom being around, like, if we didn't have a DH and you're floating J.D. Davis, and I'm like, you're losing another starter, but... Yeah. He's, how much is he going to really like? Dom should pl- if we have the DH. Dom should be the DH for like 130 games if we if, have a full season. Like, I, I will say, if we had the DH, I'd rather trade. If, if excuse me, if there was no DH, I'd rather trade Dom because Davis is a better bench piece to me. That makes sense. Um, but with the DH, when you can start both Dom and Alonso and not have one standing in left field, the fact that you're rostering two basically first base only players isn't as big a deal anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say, and I think this is something we discussed uh, offline a little bit, that trade, that article on MLB that has them trading Jeff McNeil is a hard, hard no. Yeah, that's a lot. That's a that's a huge price. To, and it's like, it's a huge price when superstars, I feel like that's the theory, that's what you trade superstars for, but in actuality, like, the Mets are going to, if this happens, they're going to prey on Cleveland wanting to 
shed all that money and they're going to be like, well, why would we just help you? Like, like you're the ones trying to trade him. Mm-hmm. We could go upgrade our roster elsewhere and you could really put the screws to him. Like, Super Slice never get that type of return. It's just yeah. not what happens. When you trade them, you lose because you're not getting the best player usually. I also That's just, how. I don't think the upgrade from McNeil to Lindor is A, that significant. Like it's I because yeah. I really really love Jeff McNeil and McNeil's B, even what if, like a three to four win player on average. Yeah, and then Francisco Lindor is like, like a five to six. Yeah, there's better places you can upgrade than that. Bigger right. swings, you know. You could and just sign one of the guys and upgrade your team in that way and keep McNeil and. Right, that's that's the thing, right? You're gonna trade Jeff McNeil and then also probably some some other stuff, and then also play pay Francisco Lindor thirty million dollars more than you're paying Jeff McNeil. Why not just keep Jeff McNeil and spend thirty million dollars on like George Springer and a pitcher that makes more sense? Yeah. Um, and like to just me, Leo Muto and a and Springer and just have like the best offense in the league, bar none, and just go right, all exactly. out with it. Like you could. You could start playing with it that way if you're willing to spend the $30 million. I, I, I mean, honestly, in my opinion, there's an argument to be made for not trading for Lindor if you just want to go crazy in free agency, but he's good enough that I think it's worth it even with that argument. This is why I'm, like, anti-making non-superstar trades this offseason. I agree with that. If you're going to make a trade, make it a big one. But McNeil is people. I don't think real don't realize how just how good Jeff McNeil is, um, and on top of that, how cheap he is. Yeah. Also, you could probably extend McNeil for like not crazy money. You could give him like the Whit Merrifield contract, probably something along those lines, and it'd be insane value. There and the flexibility he offers is great too. And I could see him like being like a thirty-three, thirty-four year if you want to go that far into his life. Into his career. I'd absolutely give him a contract out to his thirty-three. Oh days, yeah, 33 I could see him still being good then. No problem. He has he has the type of skill set that would age pretty well. I think it's all hand-eye coordination. Exactly, like that'll go otherworldly hand-eye coordination. Yeah, yeah, like that'll go at some point. But like, I I trust him to be good for. He he's gonna be one of those dudes who's like thirty five and still good. I think I think the, the the ideal package here, like it's gonna be, it should be Jimenez. If if they take Rosario instead of Jimenez, fine. I don't think they would. They would but, be nuts if they do that. Yeah. Uh, and then it's gotta be. Or I think it makes sense for it to be one of Dom Davis. Like they're gonna ask for one of Dom Davis McNeil. You tell them to screw go screw if they want McNeil. <laughs> if they want Dom instead of Davis, even with the DH, I still think about it. Um, but I do think Davis makes sense for them, and also makes more sense for the Mets. I also, if if Mauricio gets his way into this, I wouldn't mind it because you're basically replacing like you're you're basically saying like, well. We don't need him as an infield prospect because now we have Lindor. Mm-hmm. So you could kind of brace for his loss that way. Like instead of him being your, he's probably going to have to move to third base or something, but being an infielder of your future, it doesn't really matter. It matters less because you're trading him for an infielder. That's a current one in a star. So mm-hmm. like if you could even, maybe you could even keep Davis and then use him as a trade bait for someone else and try to go prospect heavy with it if you want to, because Cleveland, if they really want to shed money, giving them the cheapest people possible might 
be on the road to that. And that's why I don't think like, I don't think they would want Nimmo because they would just have to pay him soon. I also would not trade Nimmo. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think Cleveland would want to do that because if they're, if they don't want to trade, uh, pay Lindor, I don't know if they're going to want to pay the random dudes you give them. (laughs) You know, like they're going to want to keep the dudes cheap for years. I'm sympathetic to the argument regarding Mauricio, but catching prospects are, are, um, yes, they're, yeah, I know where you're going. Like I'd rather trade a catching prospect. And then if Mauricio has to play third base, then they play next to each other. I think he, so. I think he might be a third baseman anyway, honestly. If that frame fills out. Then again, we we don't know. So. Yeah, that's far. Yeah, so Lindor is the most talked about um, guy on the, on the trading block. But obviously there's a you know 29 other teams worth of players that may or may not have guys that they would be willing to ship out. That would improve the Mets. So, are there any guys out there that you would be inclined to trade for if those respective GMs, you know, called you up and they said, "Hey, this dude is available. What do you got?" Arenado. Right, Nolan Arenado. That's basically the same situation as here, just with the potential yeah. for a lot more money. He, he's Ar- Arnauto is tough though. Because well, he, of the opt-out. he has the opt out, so it's more or less the same situation. Yeah, you, I wonder though if he does a Stanton thing where he's like, I got just got traded to the Mets, and well, he got traded to the Yankees, but I just got traded to a team that is on the up and up, and all this stuff is good. I'm not gonna opt out. You know what I mean? Like he he could just kind of or they negotiate something in advance. Yeah. yeah. Um, Add a year yeah. or two on the back end and to eliminate the opt out or something. I will say I have. The Coors Field concern with Arenado. I know there's lots of research explaining that uh, why hitters who play at Coors struggle away from Coors when they're there, and then that they usually, if they move away from Coors, they're usually able to adapt, a la DJ LeMahieu or uh, Matt Holiday. Matt Holiday, right? At the same time, that that is something of a concern to me still, like because it's. It would factor into my decision. I would rather trade for Lindor than than Arenado. Um, I mean, me too, because Lindor plays a more uh, uh, he's an elite defender at like maybe the most important position defensively on the field. It's also so two like years younger, three years. Yeah, younger. exactly. So also, I think that Arenado would be cheaper because he's already paid, and the Rockies are like crying for so like. You could probably... The Rockies are also very dumb. Yes, so you could probably get him for not much and basically make it a free agent signing and keep a lot of your prospects if you want to go that route. And also, he's an elite defender at third, which is going to up his floor, even if he's not, like, the same, same, same hitter. Like, he's a little worse away from cores, even though I don't think... Like, I'm I'm pretty confident he'd be fine. But um, those are the only two that I could think of off the top of my head. I I have an aesthetic hot take for you. Oh, third base defense is more fun to watch. Elite third base defense is more fun to watch than elite shortstop defense. It's flash. Mm. It's it could be flashier because yeah, you have those you have those quick reaction plays, right? Like get the absurd throws going into foul territory. Like like you get to see the Matt Chapman stuff because Nolan yeah. Arenado was Matt Chapman before Matt Chapman. Yeah. Uh, Someone I, is gonna get good. I love a good center fielder, like a like a really good defensive outfielder who yeah. like runs down stuff in the gap and 
over their head and stuff like that. Because I, I, I was a very bad fly ball guy, and I was just <laughs> like, I don't understand how people could do it at, like, a regular level. But when people do it at, like, the elite level, like the like the prime one Ligaris level, I'm just like, what? <laughs> like, how are you physically able to track the ball like that and, and like, make a play on it? So I, I, I love a good center fielder for the aesthetics for that reason. I love all those elite catchers. <laughs> yeah. Love some catching defense. Look, if you don't love an elite second baseman... <laughs> I don't know what to tell you. It just, it just feels like middle infield defense is, like, it doesn't come out as much, right? It's just more like you have elite range. You're just it's like, like um, I think with third base, part of the appeal is it's, like, the limits of <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like what's possible defense defensively. Yeah. Like, the throws are all the, the hardest you could possibly make. Um, the distances are just farther. Yeah. Because it's like and the also, extremes like, of, of human ability. <laughs> like Lindor is going to make a play that is like an elite play, and it'll he'll make it so easily that it just looks like a normal ground ball. You know, mm-hmm. like like, like it won't re- effect. Yeah, like it won't register as an elite play to me because like he'll just move to his left a bunch and then field a ball and he's in front of it. I'm like, oh, okay, nice play. But like when a dude hits a rocket down the third baseline and Arenado makes a backhanded play and throws him out from the foul line, from foul territory, I'm like, what the hell? <laughs> because well, that, that Manny Machado play from a couple years ago where oh, he like yeah. knocks the ball down, picks it up in foul territory, has his momentum carrying him into the third base dugout, and just casually like <laughs> perfectly on target laser across the diamond, 120. Just casually throwing like. like- what 96 miles an hour off the What is this? <laughs> and then, like, the literal upgrade on the field from J.D. Davis's defense to Nolan Arenado's defense. Yeah, wild. <laughs> it's about as extreme as you could get on one end to the other because, I mean, Davis looked better this year, but... Uh, I would... I'll put it this way, right? Like, I would prefer to trade for Lindor, but if Arenado was available cheaply in terms of basically just for take the money and give us a, a decentest prospect, I'd do that. That's and, what I'm saying. And so long as he like, and then work out some agreement to, to uh, regarding the opt out. That's what I'm saying. Like, I think you could do that to them. Similar to like Stanton was cheap for the Yankees because like he wanted, he. What year was the Yankee? Was that trade? Um, 16, maybe. Yeah. I just remember him denying, uh, like, using his no-trade clause a bunch, so then Miami got kind of backed into a corner on who they could even take. 2017 Yankees top 10. I want to see where Guzman was rated um, that year. Baseball prospectus. He wasn't – BP didn't even have Guzman in their top 10. And I don't think Devers was either. Devers? What? Didn't they trade did, – didn't they trade two people for him? They traded Starling Castro. Uh, yeah, was... Starling Castro – oh, wait. No, you're right. Jose Devers. Yeah, Jose Devers. But, like, they're better now. Like, they're actually kind of good prospects now. So Miami Guzman did... was getting some – it's kind of funny uh, – Right before this happened, I went to like the one BP Mets when that was still a thing. Uh, mm-hmm. BP Mets meetup and heard from uh, baseball people at said meetup that Jorge Guzman was getting some heat as like a, a pop up, like a like top three prospect in the system. Um, 
which I don't think has quite worked out. But, I mean, for the Mets, that's like trading Josh Wolf and, I don't know, Junior Santos. Yeah, like if you if you don't want to make that trade, then you're not going to want to make any trade for any. You know, like I'll, you just want to just keep your prospect. I would I would trade Josh Wolf and some another pitching prospect yeah. for uh, Nolan Arenado. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think there's also an argument he's better for the Mets offense than Lindor because the Mets are so right hand left hand geez left hand leaning having a big right hand bat would be helpful, and I think he's a better hitter than Lindor. Um, not that Lindor is a bad hitter by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, so, hey, trading for, for, for Arenado would be very fun. Come on down. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And I wonder if the Canos, like, I was I was kind of thinking that they might double up on pitchers with their big splashes because, like, you could, they could reasonably point to Cano and be like, he could hit still, but now that he's suspended, that's kind of a... <laughs> Yes, it's it's a it's a Roy's abated 141 WRC plus in the lineup, but it's still one you got to replace. Mm-hmm. So I wonder if they look they lean towards an offensive guy more, and I think this makes McNeil kind of one of their untouchables because he's he's just going to play second base. Yeah, I would hope. I I can't really unless they get another second baseman. I can't imagine he does he. I think they're going to sign a, an outfielder now mm-hmm. and then make McNeil the second baseman, and then just let him stay there all year. Any other targets out there that you guys would go after? They should trade for Mike Trout. Yes, that um, makes sense. That's a huge contract, and um, <laughs> frankly, the Angels need the salary relief, so... They gotta trade. I mean, they gotta pay Albert Pujols, so... Exactly, they gotta, they gotta pay him. <laughs> How many more years does that Pujols contract go? Too many... <laughs> I don't, not as, it's not as bad as the Miguel Cabrera contract. Oh no, that thing is awful. The Miguel Cabrera contract. Um, I don't think there are really any other. Like Trevor Story has kind of been talked about, but I think they want to deal Arenado. Oh, this is the last year of the Pujols contract, actually. Oh, really? Uh, really? Um, oh. I thought that there were ten like years. Like, ten years went fast. Yeah, <laughs> we're all old. Uh, I think that I think they want to keep Story and then trade Arenado. That's at least what. The vibe seems to be. Rosenthal wrote that that's the prevailing rumor, like that they want to make Story the new face of the Rockies. Um, and then like Darvish might be available, but I don't think like he's not in that tier, and he's much more like you can get the same thing in free agency. I I think, uh, at least based on his historic production. Um, one guy for the Cubs I would be interested in would be Contreras, and if that involves taking Darvish and or Kimbrell's money, I'd do that. Look, um, if, they, if they're like, we'll only trade you Wilson Contreras if you take you Darvish's money, I'm going to be like, oh no, how will oh, I afford to do this? <laughs> please stop making me do that. Like, <laughs> I hate getting number runner-ups in the Cy Young Award from basically nothing. Damn it. Yeah, right? Like, <laughs> if the Cubs are that desperate, you should yeah. be breaking them. If I had faith that Darvish would be that good again, I would just do like the that Kimbrel Darvish idea that was floating around. But like the the years prior, he's not been that good. He's been more a three four win pitcher, and you can just buy that on the free agency market for less money and keep mm-hmm. your prospects. Yeah, but it's you, Darvish. I hey, look, I love you, Darvish. Chris Bryant's interesting if you if he's really cheap. 
if they just want to get rid of the contract. The one year. It'd be an interesting rental solution. Yes, that's what I'm saying. Like, not, you don't necessarily have to extend him unless he, like, does really well and he likes it here, then you can talk about it. But you could kind of treat that as, like, we're getting him for one year and just giving the Cubs salary relief and then see what happens. Mm -hmm. And they're kind of mad at each other anyway, I'm sure, from the whole. (laughs) There's beef. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't really want to be there anymore and the Cubs don't really want to deal with him because of he called them out. That's obviously speculation, but it's just I think that's kind of a logical I would be mad if I was him. And I wouldn't want to be there. I do not like being at work either, so I can empathize ah. with him. <laughs> um Aside from that, I think the only trade candidates that are worthwhile are guys that are more cost-controlled. Like, if you're going to be taking money this offseason, it needs to be basically for free in the trade and or a significantly better value than you can find on the super soft free agency market. It's going to be a weird market this year. Yeah. Like, there's no reason – basically, like – just to, to be more concrete here, like that Darvish Kimball idea, you're basically paying Darvish $36 million, right? Because that's his salary plus uh, Kimball's salary. For that much money, you could go get Morton, Odorizzi, Hand, and probably also a guy like Jake McGee or something and not give up any prospects to do so. Love but you, are Darvish. any of those guys you, Darvish? <laughs> I mean, I love you, Darvish, but that combination of guys is more valuable than you, Darvish. You, Darvish, Morton has... alone might be more valuable than you, Darvish. Did Charlie Morton ever fight Hams? I don't think so. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Can you mm-hmm. can Charlie Morton like probably be a double A level pitcher throwing left handed like Darvish? Probs not. No. Well, suffice to say that there are a lot of interesting combinations to, you know, mix and match guys in, in terms of trade. And with the weird market this year, who knows, trading might be the way to go. Mm. But I guess, you know, we have about two weeks or so before the winter meetings, and that's when, you know, baseball activity really starts to pick up. So, you know, it's frustrating. have a front office by then. Yeah, yeah that too. You know what's really frustrating? Like, baseball's off-season has been going for, like, what, two weeks now? (laughs) Basically nothing is happening. Basketball started three days ago and just went fucking nuclear. (laughs) One of my favorite things, I saw someone, I saw a basketball fan, because I I read mentions on, on like, signings and stuff, just to see what how people are reacting, because I find it funny sometimes. And someone was just like, wow, he was a day two free agent? Like, that's such a bargain bin thing. And I was like... In baseball, like, no one signed for the first six months. <laughs> and they're like, what? They had to sign them on the second day of free agency? Awful. Gasp. That Gordon Hayward contract, though. Yikes. Oh, God. Yikes. Don't let former stars run your team. Yeah. Michael Jordan was a good player, and he thinks everything is like 1993. Look, I love David Wright. I don't think I ever want him to be GM of the Mets. How's Derek Jeter doing at the moment? Oh, God. We almost had A-Rod, so. Oh, that was a bit faster. I really hope A-Rod announces um, opening day 
because it's on ESPN. It's like Sunday Night Baseball or whatever. They can't. <laughs> they can't let him do that. Could you imagine? Oh, they can and they will. Oh, no. <laughs> it's going to be hysterical. This is the first time I'll listen to the ESPN broadcast in forever. <laughs> Just to hear him, like, say wild stuff about whatever the Mets are doing. The Mets are up 10 nothing, and he's like, terrible game by DeGrom here. <laughs> he's wasting all these pitches, and the season is still going. Like, I don't understand what he's doing or something. It's going to be great. I can't wait. Well, hopefully we have a season next year. That's true. Yeah, yes, true. Knock on wood, because God knows things are not going too well right now. But, um, yeah, so if anyone has any questions, comments, whatever, you can send us an email at our email address from complex to queens at gmail.com. You can follow us on Twitter and shoot us questions there. I'm at Steve Seiper. Lucas is at Elvlahos343. Ken is at Ken1191. And Thomas is at said Met Season SZN. Subscribe to the podcast where we get your podcast from, rate and review it. And of course, we thank you for listening. And we'll be back next week. And until then, love the Mets. Love the Mets.